him was uh, met by the committee of one. <laughs> they were kind of reminding me in a very gentle way that I'm in America, I'm not in Africa. <laughs> so there's a rule in Africa about how long to preach. Does anybody know how long that is? Until you get finished. If it takes an hour, an hour. If it takes two hours, two hours. But I was reminded, no, I wasn't. This is just a joke, of course. But uh, I told them I didn't have but 20 pages, so I should be able to get it done in two hours, no problem. But uh, it is good to be here. It's my first time to preach here since I got back from Africa. So it's a wonderful time to be able to just minister to you today. And I, a few weeks ago, I briefly shared, I just had an opportunity when I came up just for a moment, to share something that the Lord had given to me a, a couple of weeks ago. And what the Lord showed me was a couple of things. One was a pier, and the other one was a boat. And on both of these... They were full of barnacles. Everybody know what a barnacle is, right? That come and attach to it. And I didn't totally understand it, but then I got to looking at it, and it showed these, it had to be probably the worst picture of a boat that I guess I had ever seen with barnacles on it. But this thing was just massively, the whole bottom was covered all the way down. Everything that basically was underwater where you couldn't see it was these barnacles and so forth. And the Lord was trying to, He said, you know, He said, He said, our lives, the Christian lives, have allowed, and the church itself, have allowed these barnacles to attach itself to the church, to the individual. And these barnacles, in a boat specifically, it makes it difficult. It is a resistance against the nice slick bottom that is on a boat so that it can move quickly through the water and easily maneuverable and there's no resistance to it. Matter of fact, it planes out and actually times comes up, the boat comes up and even comes out of the water sometimes to be able to cut down the resistance because there's a resistance. He said, there on the Christian church and on the Christian lives today, we have not purposefully, but these things have atta- things have begun to attach themselves to us that are restricting us in the movement that God wants us to go with. As the church, it's a movement that God wants to do in the church. But it's constantly getting this resistance about going forth and doing what God wants to do. What the Holy Spirit wants to do in the hearts and the lives of people and in the church today. Because I was noticing this morning, and God revealed to me, talking about many times I look, I grew up, How many of you grew up with altars in your church? A few of you? Yeah. Altars in the church, and we used to come, and what do we do at the altars? We prayed. But we knelt and prayed. We knelt and prayed before God. Have you ever wondered why we kneel and pray? It's a reverence that we have for God. We're good at praising God. We're good at lifting our hands But I'm telling you folks, we need to get back to bowing down and worshiping God. Don't be restrictive in the way that you worship God. Don't say, I can only do it this way. I can only worship God with one hand. I only worship God with two hands. I can't worship. You can worship God with dancing. You can worship Him with loud. You a voice of praise and bowing down. I think we need to learn to practice bowing before God. Do you realize that when you step into heaven, I can guarantee you the first thing you're going to do is hit your face before God. Because it's going to be something that our minds cannot even comprehend. Something so vast and so beautiful that God wants for us to have and these blessings, but we have these things. But now, when you get these barnacles off on the boats, there's two ways, I guess, they can do it from what I understand. One is you can leave it in the water and hire, hire a diver to go down, working underwater, 
chipping these barnacles and stuff off your boat. Or you can bring it in what they call dry dock. You can bring it up out of the water. And it's much easier out of the water to be able to take these things on. Well, I like to look at it this morning for us looking at it for the simple fact that if it's in the water, it's very difficult to get these things off of us. But if we get it up out of the water, if we get our lives up where we can see it, where we can get to it, where we can touch it, we can take these things and be able to break them off of our lives and be able to do the mighty things of God. Now, with all of that said, a lot of people say, well, Pastor Graham, are you going to be teaching about barnacles this morning? Well, you know, I did a word re- I did a research in, in the Bible, and I did a word search, and I couldn't find barnacles. So I said, Lord... You prepared me for this two weeks ago before I even knew I was going to speak. I said, you prepared this. There's no barnacles in Scripture. So, he led me to this verse in Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us rid ourselves of every barnacle. Every barnacle and sin which easily entangles us. That's a, that's a stretch. I, I, I understand that. Uh, that was, that, you know, that was, uh, uh, that was revelation I got out of, uh, Hezekiah 1, uh, 1, 1 and 2. But anyway, um, but it wasn't that. So I guess it was Monday. I guess it was earlier this, this week. I woke up out of a dead sleep. With one word, and that's the way that God does it many, many times with me. He gives me one word. And then it starts. Okay? That's when it starts. And I woke up with this one word, and the word was fire. Boy, I said, Lord, I I like that. I can go a lot of places with fire. And... So, the Lord has helped me this week. And what I want to share with you today is the title to my message is Refining Fire. A Refining Fire. And by definition, refined is when impurities or unwanted elements have been removed... By processing, purifying, or treatment. And that treatment is fire. Fire is used to refine gold, silver, many precious metals. If you want to get 24 karat gold, you don't go out, dig in a mine, get down, and all of a sudden you find there's 24 karat pure gold. Just sitting there, and you say, okay, I need a piece this big, so you just take a little piece of it, and you go and you say, now I have my 24 karat gold. No, it has to be a lot of refining, chipping, put it away, boiling, get the heat, put the fire on, and that which is there comes forth as gold. So, the Lord is trying to tell, tell me, He says, I want to refine my church. I want to refine my children so that These things, these barnacles, okay, that want to hang on to our lives, these things that resist and make us not be able to have all of the things that God has because this resistance that Satan has put in our way keeps us from being able to receive those things. In the world that we live in today, with all of the temptations that we have, we need to be constantly submit our minds and our bodies to the refining power of the Holy Spirit. Let it burn and purify our hearts so that we can walk according to the commands of God. Everybody wants to talk about God's blessings. Everybody wants to talk about God's loving kindness, God, and all of the things that are the great things that we hear about God, and all of them are true. I'm not saying they're not true. But we forget that God has a book with commandments, things that He has told us that we as Christians, born again children of God, are to be able to live and to be able to walk in. Now, 
These things that have come and have attached to us. They didn't just happen one day. It was a gradual thing. As we begin to go through life and we begin to have these things start coming at us from the world. And we would accept this one. And then we'd accept this little barnacle. And then we'd accept this little lie. This little compromise. This little thing here. And all of a sudden we feel like after a while we start getting burdened down with all of these things. So once we start the conforming process, in other words, once we start conforming to the world, okay, it opens a door. Jesus said, I am the door, right? But the thing about it, there are spiritual doors in our life. Okay? There are good spiritual doors, and there are evil spiritual doors. There are doors that we open in our lives that allow good things to come into our life. Good spiritual things that come into our life. But there are bad, evil spiritual doors that we open that bring things into our life that should not be coming into that place. Now, other messages I preach about guarding the doors, we have to guard the doors, but that's not what the message is about today. But when we open these doors and allow things to come in, then they begin to attach themselves But if we do not submit to the refining fire of the Holy Spirit, we will compromise our walk with the Lord. I'm not saying that you become, quote, a sinner. You know, that, okay, you got this coming to your life. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we can't walk in the freedom. Now, Pastor Angel has preached this great series on freedom. The walking in freedom. And we need to learn to walk in freedom. And she's given us some great instructions to walk in freedom. But it doesn't matter how much instruction you're given. If you don't take the instruction and put it to practice, it gains you nothing. So we have to open to receive the Word. But then it says there are people who hear, but do not hear. Many of you have sit under every one of the sermons on walking in freedom. The question is today, and I'm not asking you to raise your hands, but the question today is, how many of them have you applied to your life? Have you taken it to the next step? Or did you hear, but not hear? Because, see, we can hear naturally, but we may not be able to hear spiritually. But this compromise that comes into our life. If we turn in the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, and beginning in verse 1 there. It says, Therefore, I adjure you, brothers. It says brothers, but it's also brothers and sisters. It's talking to who? Do I have any brothers in the house? Do I have any sisters in the house? Okay. He's talking to us. He's not talking to the world. He's not talking to somebody else. He's talking to us as brothers and sisters in the Lord. He says, by the mercies of God. How many knows about God's mercies? That means that we're not getting what we deserve because of God's mercy. Okay? Everybody likes to talk about His grace, but His mercy is there also. If it wasn't for His mercy, grace would be not too much benefit. But by the mercies of God, to present our bodies... As a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, he's saying that this is something that you do as a type of spiritual worship to the Lord. He's saying this is reasonable. God is not an unreasonable God. Everything that God wants us to do is reasonable. It may not seem to be reasonable when it's happening because many times it's difficult. It's difficult. But it says, it says, first, as a living and holy sacrifice. Okay. Sacrifice. First thing people want to tell me is, yeah, but our sacrifice is Jesus. He was a perfect sacrifice. He died on Calvary's cross. He was slain for us, Lord, that we could accept Him and know Him as our personal Savior. Yes, He was. But the thing about it is, Paul writing here is telling him and using the word sacrifice here. He says, as a living sacrifice, that means that we have to sacrifice something. I understand the Bible says obedient is better than sacrifice, but it doesn't say sacrifice is not necessary. 
He just put one in front of the other. There is a sacrifice that we go through when we accept Jesus Christ. He said, they, because they hated me, they'll hate you. We're seeing that right now in America it's to, to the Jews. Right? We see the Jews being hated by, they just, they're hated by everybody it seems like. Okay? And, and the whole thing. But he said, they hated me. Talking about us as Christians. Jesus said, they hated me, they'll hate you. But I guarantee you right now, we probably don't have a lot of people that's actually hating us right now. Because evil hasn't come to that point. But the time is coming when we will have to make a stand against evil and they will hate us for it. They already hate us for it. They're already attacking the Bible. They're trying to attack everything on the Bible. They're trying to attack the church. They're trying to do everything. And Satan has come into the church himself and brought himself into the church. The church is perpetuating things of the devil and beginning to have all these things happen. And that's the reason why we need to have the purifying power and burning fire of God in us, in our churches, so that we can keep what we do pure before the Lord. It's necessary for us to do that. But when he said sacrifice... We don't always understand sacrifice the way that these people understood it. You have to go back and look at where they were, how things were with them. Okay? They understood sacrifices. They had been doing those sacrifices, right? They knew what the sacrifice, the law, they knew what a sacrifice had to be. They understood every aspect about it. So when he talked to them about being a holy sacrifice, they knew that a holy sacrifice meant that if you look in Leviticus, Basically, if you, you just about anywhere, but basically the third chapter, second, third chapters, you can see where all of the the uh, sacrifice, the different types of sacrifices were being brought, were being brought to the Lord. The one thing is, they had to be without defect. Okay, that did just mean they had to be pure on the outside, meaning that they couldn't be sick on the inside either. Okay, so it was one of those types of things they had to be. So they, when he says to be a living sacrifice, they knew. What he meant by a sacrifice was you need to be one that is without a defect. Not just on the outside, but without defect on the inside. Does anybody see a message in healing on that? The thing about it is, God used that scripture for me probably, I'm going to say 30 plus years ago. Maybe even not, probably longer than that, 40 years ago. I was ministering in a church. And I had been praying for the sick. Many people were being healed. And all of a sudden, one of the ladies in the church came from children's church. And she brought a young man up, a young boy. And she brought him up before me. And she said, um, I'd like for you to pray for him. I said, okay. What's his, you know, what's, what's his sickness? What's his disease? And she says, well, he's perfectly healthy in every way except everything in his insides is reversed. In other words, everything's supposed to be on this side is on this side. He had a reversed mirror image on the inside of him, but everything was functioning normally. And I'm sitting there, Lord, what do I pray? What do I pray? And he says, well, if you're of me... He showed me, he says, you have to be pure on the outside and you have to be pure on the inside. And I said, okay, Lord, I, I, I can use that. I can use that. So I prayed for this young man. Ah, we didn't see anything happen. I prayed, and whatever case, this young man went. Next week, I'm back in church. I'm not past preaching there. I'm just sitting over on the platform. And after service... Someone asked for me, and I was directed to a couple that was with this young boy in the back. They wanted to talk to me. Well, you can imagine what was going through my mind. Why would I, you know, command something like that to do and give this boy some kind of false hope? That's what I heard the devil saying to me. And when I got back, I introduced myself. And they said, what did you do to our son? I said, ma'am, I haven't done anything to your son. I said, I prayed for your son last week, but I haven't done anything. She said, you had to have done something. I said, no. She said, he came home last week and told us what you prayed. 
And we told him that, that things like that just did not happen. And he insisted we take him to the doctor. So we took him to the doctor just to calm him down. And the doctor told him they didn't know what happened, but his insides were turned back around normally. Now, that's the God we serve. Now, a lot of people would take that scripture and say, I couldn't use that scripture. Well, I'll tell you what, when God gives you a scripture, He can use it any way He wants to. He wrote it. If He can use a scripture that may not... A lot of people say, let's... Theologically, that's not what that means. If God gave it to you to change you, to help you through a situation, He can use His Word any way He wants to. He can take any word in it and use it to help you. Never to tear you down, but to help you. Right? Satan uses them to tear you down, but God will use them to help you. So, what I'm trying to say is, is this sacrifice is not when we say a living sacrifice is holy and acceptable unto God. It says, but... The sacrifice is made. If you are going to make yourself a living sacrifice, there's one thing that you have to agree to. To be a good living sacrifice. Does anybody know what that is? What did a good sacrifice get next? Fire. To be accepted, the sacrifice had Fire applied. We have to have fire applied to this sacrifice, to this body, to this thing that God, this temple. Because a lot of people realize this is the temple of what? The temple of what? Do you think the Holy Spirit wants to abide in something unclean? But, but pastor... I've been made righteous, the righteousness of God. I've been made holy by Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, we have. He came into our life, and that, that righteousness, that holiness that's in us, is a spiritual righteousness and a spiritual holiness that's inside of us that is put in there to make us change this. If I am an orange tree... I bear, if I'm a grapevine, I bear, if I am the righteous, I bear, if I am made of holiness, I bear what? So, we can say that there's no responsibility on our part, but God never said that we're not responsible for His Word. He's not resp- that we can't be responsible for our lives. God says these things that come in and entangle us. But this fire, it's a consuming fire. What does a consuming fire mean? What if I put something into a fire, I expect it to what? Burn up. Does it? If the fire gets hot enough. If you put a piece of metal in a campfire, it may distort it in a lot of different reasons or whatever. the case. It may distort a can or whatever. But after the fire goes out, you kick the can. The can's still there. Why? Because the fire's not hot enough. You have to get fire to over 5,000 degrees to purify gold. So you can't purify gold in you just a little fire. You've got to get some serious fire to be able to purify. But here, this fire of the Holy Spirit is a consuming fire. It'll burn out of us what we, what we allow it to burn out. Because we have a tendency sometimes that when the fire begins to fall, we begin to pour the water on. Because we don't want to get too excited We don't want to get too emotional. We don't want to jump like we do at the football games. We don't want to scream like we scream at the football games. Because somebody might think we're crazy. Well, they say that about you when you scream at the ball games. You just don't hear them. When somebody does something really off the wall at a ball game, 
Oh, you're crazy, man. Look at that. Whatever. I look at some of those people that go to ball games, they paint themselves up with all this stunt, they sit there and stand. They do that so that the cameras will go to them, of course. But I say, those people are nuts. But that's how much they like their team. How much do we like our God? How much do we like every time we get a victory in our lives? How much do we enjoy that? Do we say, oh, thank you, Jesus. When you get healed, when God, when, when God saves a loved one, all of heaven rejoices. And we say, thank you, Jesus. But, moving on. I'm bogging down quickly here. Okay. But, this sacrifice is for our spiritual worship. Our spiritual worship. That's when we bring us before God. It's when we bow before God. When we kneel before God. We're watching this thing on TV about the Queen. And people, you know, they come in and say, or their woman, as honor. We come in and say, Where's the reverence? Do we come before Him, honoring Him for who He is? Because we have taken Jesus and so turned His life into being man that we have begun and lost who He is as God. When we no longer see Jesus... As God, and we only see Him as a man like you and I, we will treat Him the way we see Him. If we see Him and recognize Him as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our soon coming King, how will we respond to Him? Do you think our response will be different if we recognize, truly recognize who God really is and who Jesus really is. We can't comprehend how He is. But you know, I've tried my best to picture what God looks like. But I can't. I can picture Jesus because I've seen a picture of Him. Somebody's rendition of Him. We don't really know if He looks like that. There's one girl that got a vision and it looks very good to me. I've seen it on a couple of church walls. But the thing about it, I can see that because that's natural. But see, we deal with a supernatural event. We're serving a supernatural God. We're serving a spirit, not a man. And the sooner we realize who we serve, that's when our attitudes and our worship changes. When we finally realize, and that's when the power of the Holy Spirit comes in, when we begin to realize who and what God really is. If I don't move on, I won't get finished. When we give our bodies, this sacrifice body, to God, the soul, which is our mind, our will and our emotions, and the Spirit go with it. Because I can't separate that body from this over here. I can't separate the Spirit. I can't separate the soul. I can't separate my feelings. I can't separate my mind. I can't separate this part from me. I have to take it with us. Right? So, when a person gets saved, do you realize when a person gets saved, they give their heart to the Lord, and then all of a sudden, they shake themselves and they look and they don't know anything. The mind has just been made a clean slate. No, it didn't happen. We change our heart. Our heart changes. God changes our heart. But you know, we drag that old mind the way we've done it forever, how many years you are old, if you're like me, 39, 
Every time I say that, I get younger. Call those things which be not as though they were. Okay. I know I'm stretching that a little bit. Okay. But the thing about it is we bring this mind that we've had with us all the years prior to that day we accepted Jesus Christ. So, the mind has to be refined. I preached a message not long ago saying we need to uh, rewire our thinking. But it all comes to when our minds, we have to take this mind that we've had since birth. We've had this mind. It was even learning when it was in the womb. We had this mind, and we bring that into our relationship with God. Do you think something needs to happen in our minds? So our, our minds have to be refined. Okay? So, this mind has to be transformed into what God wants us to be. And to retain what He wants us to retain and walk away from what He wants us to walk away from. Now in Romans, continuing on Romans 12, verse 2, it says, and Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, and which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now I know it's a little bit different than most of you read. If you read out of the King James or New King James, it's a little bit different. I personally like the NASB. That's what I study out of, and that's what I, that's what I use. But I, what I like about this is transforming, transformed by renewing your mind. A mind that we brought in here from birth needs to be transformed. We need to think differently. The mind must change so that it does not mold itself to the values and to the systems of the world. Because to, to, to be transformed, it says to transform means to change something that's there. Change it into something else. So whatever your mind was before, God wants to change it into what He wants your mind to be thinking on. So, now, this was a little funny, but how many of you, I'm sure you've heard this expression. If it looks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, and it like a duck, then what? It's probably a duck. Correct? So, if we look like the world, if we talk like the world, if we act like the world, then we're probably part of the world. Now, There's a whole message in talking like the world. I hope we understand what talking in the world is. But acting like the world. Okay? Just like you've heard this. We have to live in the world, but we do not have to be of the world. Have you ever heard that one? Well, if you look... That exact phrase is not really Bible, but it basically comes out of John, uh, John 17. Uh, and if you look at it, it says, Jesus is speaking here. He says, I am not asking you, talking to his father, I'm not asking you, Father, to take them out of the world, but to keep them away from the evil one. In other words, I'm not telling you to take them out of the world, I'm just telling you, don't let the evil one get them while they're in the world. That was Jesus' prayer. He did not want the evil one to have dominance in our lives. Now, I was around a farm when I was growing up, had the great opportunity to to seeing a lot of things that a lot of people wouldn't see because my uncle had a farm and I got to go spend a lot of time there and I enjoyed it there. I learned a lot of important things there. I remember one time my cousin had a, a, a pig that he was showing in a show for, what was it, FF, is it FFA? 
They do that up in Alabama, right? Mike, Michael's from Alabama. So I remember he got that thing all spiffed up and cleaned up and just beautiful hog. Most beautiful thing in the world. He went down there and he walked that thing out, tapped him, had a little thing, and he went through and he showed him this FAA thing and it was just, I said, and when I got there, I told him, I said, you know, that's some of the, that's some of the best looking hogs I've ever seen. I mean, they were all just nice looking hogs. We took him back home. Ken went out, turned the blue to the pasture. Guess where he went? First mud hole he could find. You know what I'm saying? The thing about it is, we may have to be of this world, but we don't have to go back and get into the mud and the mire and have to be rolled around in it. God wants us to stay clean in the world, to stand and to walk. And when we walk around, guess who people see? You got it. If when we walk around, everybody sees us, we are displaying incorrectly. Because we are displaying ourselves before them to be accepted by them. But we want them to see Jesus. They can't see it in the way they look at us, but they can see it in the way we act. They can see the way we look. Do we look different? I'm not saying you've got to look pitiful, you know. I would use an expression that I used to use many years ago, but I would thank you, Lord, for stopping that one. Thank you. But anyway, it says, and they are not of the world. Talking about us as Christians. Just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth or by the truth. Does everybody know what sanctified is? It means to be set apart. To God. Not just set apart, but set apart to God. Sanctifying us by what? The truth. That's God's Word. Right? Your Word is truth. Talking about God's Word is truth. Sanctify here means to separate from the profane to the sacred use by using the truth of God. It goes on, verse 18, it says, Just as you sent me into the world... I also sent them into the world. So, by this we can understand that we are sent into the world, but not be of the world. We are to walk in the truth of God's Word. And verse 19 says, And for their sakes, and for our sakes, I sanctify myself. He says, I'm going to sanctify myself. I'm going to a cross. I'm fixing to be sanctified. So that this sanctification process... This purifying by the fire of Almighty God can make us sanctified before Him. So that they themselves also may be sanctified by truth. The more truth you believe, the more set apart you become. The more truth you believe, the more set apart we become. Okay? So we have a responsibility to set ourselves apart from the world. So where do we start? By the renewing of our mind, the refining and the purifying mind. Taking the impurities, the unwanted elements, and everything that keeps this body from walking in the purity of God to separate it from you. People say, but I can't get all this stuff on. Is it better to have a barnacle full on the bottom? Or after you clean it, every, once in a while have a couple of barnacles on the bottom? A lot of people wouldn't go to clean off one or two. You're saying that there's some things that you just can't clean off. There may be some things that you have problems breaking off. You may break it off and it may come right back. You may break it off and it comes right back. But as you continue to allow the Holy Spirit... The fire of the Holy Spirit to come into your life and to guide you and to direct you, then these things begin to burn off of us. It's the refining fire of the Holy Spirit has to be applied. In Matthew 3, verse 11, he says, As for me, this is John the Baptist talking, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
A lot of us have received the Holy Spirit, but denied the fire. Because, see, we can receive the Holy Spirit into our lives, but if we don't allow the fire to be applied, it can't clean our lives up. You understand what I'm saying? It takes the fire to clean this body that we have. This fire was added because fire was a purifier. And we see that there. In Malachi 3.2 it says, But who can endure the day of His coming? And who can stand when He appears? For He is like a refining fire. And like a launderer's soap. In other words, when the Lord comes, He's going to come and He's going to test everything by what? Everything that we've done will be tested by fire. Remember the gold, silver, precious stones, the wood, hay, stubble? Everything that we've done, He says He's going to purify fire. He wants to purify that thing inside of us. So that everything that comes, see the chaff and all that will be burnt off. But that which is gold and silver and precious stones, I like to think that He's going to take that gold and that silver, those precious stones, of the things that I've done for Him, of the life that I've lived before Him, that He's going to take and mold a crown. And in that crown, He's going to put these jewels that I've done in my life and set it on my head. And when I see Him coming, when I see Him coming, and everybody's throwing their crowns before Him, I can throw my crown before Him and say, Lord, I work for You. I showed in my life You. I did what I tried my best. I did my very best. To do for you. I had a teacher in college said the Lord gave him a vision one time of all the things that he'd done. And make a long story short, he told a story. He said, and he said, I got before the Lord, and the Lord said, Okay, we're going to take this, and he started burning everything. And he, he said, Well, but Lord, you're, you're calling that wood hay and stubble. That I was preaching your word there. He said, Didn't you pray beforehand, Lord? Um, uh, I'm really not prepared, but Lord, you said that you put words in my mouth. I did that, you didn't. He said, okay. And the Lord just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And all of a sudden, he got down and had just a little bit of gold. And so the Lord made his crowns. Reached over and handed it to him. And it was the size of a thimble. And he stuck it on his finger. And he went into glory. And when he saw all the people throwing their crowns before him, when he got there, he took his little thimble crown. And through a thimble crown. I don't want my life to be a thimble crown. Do you want your life to be that? Or do you want your life to be that that shows the gold, the silver, the precious stones of what God really is? It's all there for us. The Holy Spirit is given to purify us. Zechariah. Zechariah 13, 8 through 9, it says, And it will come to pass in the land, declares the Lord, that the two parts will be cut off and perish, and the third will be left. And I will bring that third, that's just part of the church, the church, part through the fire, refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. We get testing, but through every testing that we come through, guess what? We step out purer than we were before. Every trial, every tribulation that you go through, will refine you and make you. And everything that I've gone through in my life has made me what I am today. And everything that you've gone through has made you what you are today. But there's more help. And that is the Word of God. The Word of God can also help in this purification process because if we read in Jeremiah 23, 29, it says, My Word is is not my Word like fire, declares the Lord. Mark 9 says, For everyone will be salted with fire. Salted with fire. We know about the losing its savor and all of that, but quickly I'll move on. Luke 12, 49 says, I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled. God came to put fire. People understood fire because this morning we took the little lights and we were doing our little light. If I tell you to bring a light to church with you next week, most of you would bring your phones or bring a flashlight. 
If you told that back in the days of the Lord, told them to bring light to church, they'd either bring a candle or some kind of lantern because they didn't have it. They understood what fire was for and it means which he said, We are the light of the world. We are the torch of the world. We are the fire of the world. The gospel is the fire. The gospel is the fire that God uses to change and put our lives into process. Okay? We as Christians must go through a refining period in our lives. A large portion of the Christian population, unfortunately, missed this part. They got saved. They attend the church services. They read a few scriptures. They stop, stop here and go there. And we see so much. You see, there is so much more to having a relationship with our Savior. It's more than saying a few words and reading a Bible verse here or there. It's so much more than just going to church and singing a few songs. When we leave here today, we will have sang praise and worship songs. We will have worshipped in giving. And we will have heard the Word. But did any of it change us? Did any of it grab hold to us? Do we leave with more than we came with? Or do we leave with the same? The spiritual barnacles attracted our lives, to our lives causes struggles in our spiritual walk. Without them and we lose all of this resistance, it doesn't hold us back from everything that God wants for us in our lives. Let the Holy Spirit is fire. The Word of God refine us like a precious gold. I want to be as pure as I can be when I get to heaven. Will I be totally pure? No, but I'll be made pure because he, because I have attached Jesus in my life. But I can say I have walked the walk, I have kept the faith, and then enter into the Lord. There are many things that I know that to know and to do or not to do is, not, is knowledge, right? We know they either not do it or do it. Just knowing does not produce anything until we act upon the knowledge. Many know what's right, but willfully choose not to act on that knowledge. We tend to accept the things we like in God's Word and reject the things we don't. Is that human nature? I call this acceptance Christianity. I am a Christian by these terms. I am a Christian by these terms. But I can't say that I'm a Christian by these terms. Have we accepted too much? Or have we accepted too less? Have to look at those. It's getting quiet in here. I guess I better close. How's that? Okay. So, in closing, let me do this. As my challenge to each and one of us today, stop, as our president was saying, I'll say, don't, but stop resisting the refinement of God in your life. Don't stop letting Him refine you. Our church, we can't stop saying, God, refine us. That everything that we do is what you want us to do. And we won't accept anything that's not of you. That's what we as a church want. That's what this church wants, I guarantee you that. But that's what we have to do. But rather, embrace it. Sometimes it's going to be painful because there's sometimes God's going to say, you need to give up whatever that is in your life. You say, that's going to be hard. God never said living for Jesus was hard. He just said it would be good and it would be worth it. So it may be painful. It may be challenging. But I can guarantee you that it will be worth it. It will be worth it. And I just ask you today, are you ready to allow the Holy Spirit and God's Word to, to apply a refining fire in your life today? If you are... He's here, able and willing to do so. Amen?
All right, God bless you. Would you stand with me? If you're here today and you say, this refining fire, I'd never heard about that. I guarantee you it's not something that's taught every day. I'd never preached on it in my life. But you say, you know, Lord, I, I want more. I want more. I, I want to get closer to you. I want these things out of the way. Are you saying, you know, God, just help me. Are you here today just saying, I want to do that. I, I just want the refining fire to start in my life. Anybody here? Anybody want it? Nobody wants it? I see one, one, one person wants it. Good. Maybe all the rest of you have already got it refined. Okay. But we need to refine ourselves. But you know what? We have to be willing. The Holy Spirit is not going to force His self on you. You must invite Him to refine you. Refine you. But if you don't know Jesus today, I don't like closing any service without making sure that everybody here knows the Lord. But if you don't know Jesus this morning and you want to know Him, would you just kind of slip your hand with every head bowed just for a moment? Everybody would raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus this morning. Anybody here? Lord bless you. All right. So, Lord, I thank you. I praise you and I thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy, God, that you've given to us. I thank you for your word that went forth. God, I pray that it be received and the love in which it went forth. That, God, that we can find ourselves to be made to walk worthy of you. And when you come, Lord, we say, welcome home, my good and faithful servant. So, God, we just ask you to be with us this day. Watch over us. Care for us. Be with us as we go to our homes today. Watch over us. Care for us. And bring us, God, back at the next appointed time. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would just stay where you are for just a moment, we have a new...